0: Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast Episode 29 with my guest, Katie Selvage. Katie is my first repeat guest on the podcast, and her first appearance is still my most downloaded podcast episode yet. Today, Katie and I are talking about Instagram, which is by far one of my most asked about topics. Katie wrote a course for creatives about Instagram. And even though I took it years ago, it is still the most comprehensive, in-depth look, at not only how to use Instagram effectively, but how to have a healthy, wholehearted attitude towards the platform. So turn the volume up, because I've never had a conversation with Katie that wasn't full of both information and truth. All right, you ready? Let's do it.
1: Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast podcast. With your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you.
0: Katie, you wrote, in my opinion, the very best Instagram course on the market, which is called Mastering Instagram for Creatives. It's the reason why I don't even think that I ever need to really write anything about Instagram. Like sometimes some of my students will be like, What's your opinion on Instagram? And I'm just like, Please go get Mastering Instagram for Creatives because I can't write anything better than that. I mean, it's so good. I love it. The work is already done, there's no need to recreate it. It's incredible. I love it. And as you and I both know, there's no way that you can write a course unless you're passionate about the topic. So because it's so much work to write an online program. And I just kind of wanted to talk with you a second about what is it about Instagram that made you passionate enough to write an entire course about it?
2: Well, first of all, that is like the highest praise I've ever received (laughs) on the course. And I appreciate it so much, especially coming from you. Um, Yeah, you're absolutely right. Creating a course is, you know, a beast in itself. And so getting that affirmation from you that you enjoyed it so much and got so much from it means a lot. Um, and, you know, the answer is sort of in the title, Mastering Instagram. And for me, it wasn't so much about mastering the strategy and tactic side of Instagram, but more so mastering your mindset and mastering the bigger picture of what Instagram is for. Because I think that's where people get the most tripped up about Instagram or whatever social media that's causing you the most challenge, worry, obsession, whatever. And for me, I wrote this, gosh, like back in 2014 or 15. And back then, um, Instagram was so different, but honestly, it was the exact same. People were very obsessed about what they were posting. They were tagging. There were all kinds of silly games. And it was all about the following and all of these very vanity metric based things, which are helpful to a business. But I think there was a deep mindset problem of people finding their worth in those metrics instead of utilizing those metrics. And that uh, from a more business side of it is why I I, I started writing the course. I saw too many people freaking out about the vanity metrics themselves and their worth connected to it rather than what those vanity metrics could do for their business and their customers or clients.
0: On episode four, you shared with us about how you kind of pivoted away from Cottage Hill and into something new so you guys go back and listen to episode four if you want to hear all about that but you did experience for a little while having a personal account and a business account now some people like me I just have one account you chose to have two different ones I'd love to know because that's that's often a question I get. Do we need a business account? Should I merge my personal account with it? I know there's no right or wrong, but what was your reason for the way you did it?
2: So it really depends on your business, um, what kind of account you want to set up and also your life. I mean, how many accounts do you really want to be taken care of? Um, the fewer to me, the better, cause there's more important things to do, um, in your work in business. But I had a personal and a business because Cottage Hill wasn't me. I know personal branding is what everyone is doing now. And I have a whole thought process behind that, um, and opinions, but, I had, it was me, a personal account and Cottage Hill, the business account, because I was selling a tangible product. It needed to have its own platform. I didn't want to be selling Cottage Hill. It needed to be selling itself. So that was an easy decision for me to separate. It got a little hairy when I started to teach and get into education because it was me doing the teaching, therefore me selling it. Um, And that felt, natural to infuse that in my life because what I teach affects my life. Um, So it was a very sort of natural thing to have those two mesh. But for me, if you have a very specific service that is not within your everyday life, or specifically if you have a product, I really recommend separating the two. Now, the sort of drama that I experienced, which was a huge trigger into me writing the course and um, kind of explaining why separating your personal and business Could probably be a better idea for you is back in the day. I always joke. I was really cool for 10 minutes in 2015 Um, and now nobody knows who I am which I actually love but um Back in 2015, I hit 10K followers, and back then, it was not as ubiquitous to have a larger following, not at all discounting anyone who has worked for their following now, Um, but back then, you know, hitting that K was a little more elusive. We hadn't had that much time with Instagram to get there, and so I hit hit this, you know, number everyone wanted to reach, and I went to this workshop. And one of the attendees sitting next to me was just enthralled by me because I you have so many followers. Oh my gosh, what's it like? And you know, you got so many like And that was the conversation of the dinner the whole time. And again, I was you know very grateful for the kind words. you know, she was excited. I totally get it. um but it started to feel kind of funny. And there was someone else speaking at the retreat who had a lot more followers than me. And it was very evident that her conversations were geared towards people who had the same or more Instagram followers as she did. And it was very disheartening to me to see that and to see it get to people's heads. I mean, I don't think, you know, I think all of us know someone or know of of someone who once they hit a certain number, maybe things shifted and it got to their head or something or another. And I didn't want that. I had absolutely zero desire um, for that. Some people do want that. And that's great. I'm not discounting that desire at all. But I saw how it could change a person. And I had, I'm kind of a... (laughs) Kind of, I'm very much a risk taker. If you tell me I can't, I had a professor in college say, I, you know, you could never make a print magazine. And I'm like, what's up, professor? <laughs> um, if you tell me no, I will figure out how to do it and do it way better than you could imagine. Like, I just, that inspires me. And so I kind of created my own challenge of, you know, cottage chill started to take momentum. And, but people were knowing about it because of me and my, you know, air quote influence. What if I, deleted my, like, not just like took a sabbatical, but deleted my Instagram account entirely so that the success of Cottage Hill had to be on the shoulders of it being an actually good product and that I was actually doing a good job strategically on its platform rather than using my, again, air quote, celebrity, which I like feel super weird to say. It was only 10 minutes, y'all, in 2015, um, to propel it. And so I, Completely deleted my account. You couldn't find me on Instagram for a few months. And what it did was it taught me how to truly focus on Instagram as a business tool. I can still have relationships, I could still, you know, have um, emotional connection and all of that through the business uh, account. But taking the sort of celebrity out of it was a really unique experiment and challenge for me and truly understanding how to use it for business. And so when I would see people get caught up and I don't know what to post and what's going to get attention and people know who I am and I don't have to, you know, all of that sort of very personal and personal value worth in Instagram and those sort of questions and stories, I was able to literally have a map of how to get your mind right, um, whether you have a personal brand or a product that's separate from who you are or whatever, how to approach it with your business hat on so that you can make wise business decisions and also protect your your brain and your heart from those things that can start to lead you to an egotistical place or a, um, a sort of self-pity place. Here's what I love about what you just said. I love
0: that You said because this is true. You have to have a healthy mindset. You have to have self worth, really, is what I hear through all of this. We have to have self worth because if you just, because I agree with you, listen. I remember that year I had, um, I think I got on Instagram in like spring of 2014. So in 2015, I mean, I may, may have had like 300 followers may, I mean, I'm pretty sure it wasn't even half that much. So sure. Someone to have 10,000 followers, it was like, holy cow. Okay. Britney Spears. Like, you know what I mean? It was just like, wow, that is a really big deal. And so, I don't know too many people who would have had the balls to take down your Instagram account altogether. You have to know with all of your heart and soul that your business, that your identity, that everything that you it has nothing to do with the squares on that app. And I think, you know, we see for example, I know someone who she had this great personal account, right? She had this great personal account so many People, we loved seeing her babies and you know, everything personal in her life. She was traveling and it was incredible. And she'd built a really great following. And then a couple of years ago, she decided to start a business. And she had opened a second account, a business account. And it was like two weeks in, and she ended up closing down that business account and changing her personal account to the business account name. And you know I understand because i have I have a lot of friends who don't follow me on Instagram, and I'm perfectly fine with that. It doesn't bother me one bit. I'm not speaking to them, you know what i mean they they're they do not care about entrepreneurship or this podcast or anything, and that is perfectly fine and I just thought, oh, this is gonna probably break her heart a little bit because there's gonna be a lot of people who loved seeing her kids and her family that really aren't interested in this particular business, and I just think she was used to seeing that number by her name. And It was probably too difficult or she didn't believe in herself enough or something. You know what I mean? It's just a mind game, just a mind game to, to go, I'll just, I want this business to do well. It needs a higher number beside it. And what I love is that you actually had that high number and you were like, yeah, don't need it. And got rid of it. Like actually delete. And I just want people to realize that you did not just step away and then come back you actually deleted it and started it again at zero
2: yeah well for me again it was a business experiment it was a challenge because i because you actually
0: what people don't know probably or maybe not everyone knows you actually research like when you go to speak somewhere like you actually like people are getting their money's worth when they hire you because you aren't just like Google searching and going, that looks good. And like, you are actually researching and finding your own thing. Like, I love how you talk about, there's like a science behind creativity and you did, you did research for years on that. And I just think, wow. Like, she is so much more devoted to this craft than I could ever be. It's really impressive. It really is impressive. And so you actually do research this. So this was just another research step, like a business experiment. Okay, you can continue.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I have to say the caveat as to why um, I'm, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a type five. So it comes easy to, like... I have to be an expert in order to speak on it. It's easier for me, um, I think, to put that pressure on myself in any sort of education. I don't teach anything that I've just read. (laughs) I have to have done the research acted on it and therefore created my own opinion or formula from it. And that's what I truly felt after I had gone through deleting my Instagram. I could say like, I have started from zero. I, you know, no one knows who I am. I have a huge, you know, inst- our bigger Instagram following with, you know, caught a chill when I was managing it. So I, I could speak from a lot of different perspectives because there are a lot of perspectives and feelings when it comes to Instagram. Uh, as far as your friend, um, switching the name of her account. I see that a lot. And I see it too. I can understand where you could have, you know, could have thought it was a good business decision. Like why go fishing for an audience when you already have one. But something that I speak about in the program and I tell people all, all, all the time is I like to think of Instagram. Like my followers as a party. And how many followers do I have now? I have like 17, personally, I have like 1700 followers now. That would be a freaking huge party. I can, I had friends giving last year and I had 20 people and some kids and that was like 27 people and that was overwhelming. But imagine having a party for seven. Could you really serve 1700 people as a person, as an individual? Because what I'm sharing on my Instagram now is personal farm life, you know, go learn from the stuff that I've sold, like, you know, that sort of thing. But what you know, what does make sense? Cottage Hill has some fifty-something thousand Instagram followers. It would make sense for a magazine to put on a festival, a gala, or something for a large audience like that, because we have a product that needs to be sold to a large audience. So, when you're thinking about your followers, and you're thinking about it in relation to your business, and you're thinking about who the audience is and all of those things, I always think. If you were to throw a party for the people that you want to buy into your brand, buy your product, buy your service, how many would really need to be there for you to have enough clients or customers? And some people, the answer is a lot bigger than others. Like, you know, my friend Kristen of Thimble Press, she has a huge following, but she sells things that have like they need to be sold on mass. So it makes total sense that a lot of people need to know about it. Whereas some of my clients that are photographers or floral designers, they only need like 10 to 12 clients a year. So they don't need a huge following um, to attract the right people. It's just kind of an added bonus situation. And when you start taking the lens of looking at Instagram more like a actual party (laughs) that you got to throw for people and think of it in relation to quantity of goods or services sold, it kind of calms you down from this whole, I got to get more followers. I got to get, I got to get, I got to get. Again, there are exceptions. If you are, I know I have a friend who is writing a book and the publisher wanted to know how many Instagram followers she had. I think they don't care as much now, but this was a few years ago. That was important to them. So knowing that a lot of people were going to buy the book was important. So stop stopping to look at your followers and that number as a, you know, equivalency to your value, but instead looking at it logistically and numerically in that, how many people do I really need this year, just this year, to buy my service or product to hit my goal? It's probably not as much as you think, unless again, you're in, you know, in mass product um, based company. So stop freaking out about needing more followers because you don't technically need more followers. It kind of goes back to that.
0: We want it and we want it right now. Like, we, wow, we just got our logo, we just got our website up, and we want 10,000 followers right now. And that's just, you're not taking the time to build that foundation.
2: And that's the difference between having a business that looks nice and a business that is actually quality driven. You know, there's a graph in the program that I share, and I've seen a few other people do this in relation to how many followers to annual income. And it does not always equal. How many followers you have does not always equal how much income you have. And there are a lot of people who have a lot of followers who have a very high income. And it's not that. It's it's the question of going back to are you creating a business that is cute and pretty and you have like those nice little numbers or are you creating a business that's actually a business? Are you running a business or are you running a fan club? And you need to be honest with yourself about that. If you enjoy, If you enjoy the fan club, Like, I'm not going to judge you for that. Whatever. Enjoy your fan club, but don't call it a business. If it's not a business, don't lie to yourself that it is a business because you have so many fans. Like you at the end of your days have got to be honest with yourself and what exactly you're building here. Because if you're being honest with yourself and you're truly saying like, I'm on Instagram because I love attention. I have friends who are like, they're just hilarious. And like, they love the audience. That's their performance. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But be honest if you're there for that or if you are a business. If you're going a business route, you've got to put your business hat on and be honest about what's going on behind the scenes. And does it match what you're portraying and what, um, you know, you're, you're striving for?
0: If you're a creative business owner, you have Instagram. At this point, it's the go-to app for sharing who we are and what we do. Year after year, I'm asked to share my best tips for Instagram, and year after year, my answer is the same, Instagram for creatives. Katie Selvage's Instagram for Creatives is the only course I trust to teach not only how to use Instagram well as a business owner, but the why behind our presence on the app. Katie is the creative genius behind Cottage Hill Magazine and continually uses her insight, wisdom, and knowledge to improve the lives of her students. Katie's Instagram guidance has kept me grounded and focused on the app year after year. If you're looking for the final word on Instagram, Instagram for creatives is it. To learn more, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash Instagram. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash Instagram. Okay, we don't have to talk too too much about this because I'm I'm stepping off the path for just a second, but I think it's important with kind of just what we're talking about right here is I remember when I was going through my branding, when I decided to no longer have a southern tradition to sell that inventory in that business and and to um to do floral design only. And I remember working with Catherine Jawakum, and she, everyone at the time was doing their full name. And there was something about it that I, I just was like, I don't know if I want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. I like the idea of my last name, but I don't know. There was something about it that I I realized with the Southern tradition, it was easy for me to buy. I almost bought before that a a kitchen store called the Kitchen Store. That was easy to buy, but there was a part of me that thought, "Who would want to buy Jessica Zimmerman?" You know what I mean? Like besides Jessica Zimmerman, like I don't know. It just, but I thought, well, Zimmerman. Like the way I looked at that was just like almost, almost looked at it like fashion brands. You know, like Chanel is just. Chanel. And like there there can be other people that take over those kinds of things. But also then we started to look at it because Catherine is so good about this. Like, well, then you can have Zimmerman education. You can have Zimmerman events. We now have Zimmerman podcast. But then my actual products like Business Behind the Blooms, which is a registered trademark and um, Know Your Numbers and my book, Sleeping with a Stranger, like those things, I could sell that. That doesn't say, you know, Jessica Zimmerman's guide to flowers. You know what I mean? Is that what you mean when you're talking about personal branding?
2: Yeah, I I think there's a lot of well-intended encouragement out there telling people to put their name and their face forward and that you are good enough. And, pe- you know, there's a lot, of, like I said, it's encouraging to hear that people want to see you and that you should be proud and you should put your name on it. And I don't disagree And there is obviously a marketing strategy to it. People trust when they see your eyes and they trust when there's a real human being and um, people like that human connection. However, I think the sort of pendulum of that conversation, and you can even see if you just take a stroll through memory lane the last few years, has taken a ginormous swing into the fact that um, everything about me in my life is my brand and is create a bunch of personal brands that I think are are limiting themselves. Again, because they can't sell. You know, you can't sell yourself. Um, what if you want to make an extreme pivot and sell everything and start a farm? <laughs> like, you know, yes, people may continue the journey, but you have built such a strong personal brand when you evolve as a human being. Yes, you know, I can hear other marketers listening. Yes, some people will follow, but if you're not giving them what you've been giving them, you know, it can be confusing and, you know, a communication sort of crisis almost on your hands if you're not prepared for it. And if you've been wrapping your worth around these vanity metrics, I just see there's always a trend in education or a trend in encouragement. And it's so interesting to see what was popular three years ago, five years ago, and what the result is now of those things. And I now see the result of people encouraging others to put their name and face forward, where now there's a bit of communication and uh, confusion because we're having babies, we're selling businesses, we're doing different things. Um, You know, our worth is now wrapped up in these numbers. I think that's really fascinating. And I think what I want to say to the
0: audience, because I believe wholeheartedly that Katie doesn't say this with any amount of judgment, like she is... 100% 100% like in her DNA, an observer. And I think that you are so good about just go about recognizing like for me, I don't, I'm not noticing any of this. Like I'm not noticing. That, I, I, I don't know. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's 2019. Like, here's what we're doing. Or it's 2020. Here's what we're doing. Or here's what I'm doing. I don't really think about, um, but I think that you are so good at being observant. Like Brian will notice a, a waiter or server's shoes. And I'm like, I never even thought to look down. You know what I'm saying? And that's just how we're different. But I think it's really incredible how you can look at something and just make it like an observation and then take a note of that to then see a few years later what the result was of it. I think that's really impressive. And I love that you do that without judgment. You just are totally observing and paying attention really is what you're doing.
2: Well, right. And absolutely no judgment. Lately I have been following local influencers because I've all, I've never paid attention. You know, people have stereotypical, um, opinions about influencers They're, you know, negative ones are pretty predominant. And I'm like that, if that can't be true, (laughs) like if people keep doing it, it can't be true that they're all stuck up snobby all about themselves, just sell everything that's in their home. And so, I've started to follow quite a few and start to go to Old Navy now because there's so many sales, but I, you know, they are influencing me, but I am trying to keep an open mind of how people obtain money and create a business in a personal branding perspective through Instagram. And it's very... I, you're absolutely right I have no desire to judge anyone I just like to see what is happening and make a judgment of what works for me based on that being an influencer does not work for me. That's not to say in a few years I might not adapt to some of their behaviors or strategies based on like what's going on in the economy and culture like within my bubble but I think it's very narrow-minded to categorize people um, and not, like look around and learn from them I I think that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur right you do whatever you want and so why not learn from as many people as you can instead of judging them like you don't take weekends off of social media like no no that's when my kids are doing fun stuff I gotta like you know I want to share that's fun for me or you know that's when we have time to actually work with the animals and get the good pictures that I want to show people the story or things like that. So I think just in general of the whole Instagram conversation, I think if we stripped away our own opinions and judgments, I have them as well. And like really paid attention to what people are doing, we can then be discerning to decide what works for us, our life and our business. And that's, that's ultimately what I hope through the program, people get and even this conversation and paying attention to how you work social media and whoever else they look up to like, pay attention to how they do things and pick and choose what works well for you in your life. You don't have to say like, Jessica Zimmerman, you know, or Katie Selvage has the secret and how they do it is exactly copy and paste how I'm going to do it. No, that's not going to work. So
0: for people out there that are thinking, well, I don't really know. Like, I just, I feel like I have to post every day. So I do. I sit there and I worry about what I like I'm going to say. I don't really know if I get leads off of Instagram or not, you know, all these things, they just are doing what they're doing. How, what questions do we ask ourselves that give us such a clear picture of what Instagram is for us? Like, what do we need to ask? Because there's all kinds of listeners. So we have people that are, that are moms who maybe there's a mom who, man, she loves sharing every little bit of, of her child's life. And maybe there's a mom who feels like she has to share her child's life because it seems like everyone else around her is doing that, right? Or maybe there's a business who like me, is putting her face on every image. I'm so sick of myself. And then there's a business who's like, I don't want to put my face on this. I just want to share my product. Like, wh- How do we define for ourselves without looking at anyone else? What questions do we ask to where we can be at peace with what we post?
2: I have like five notes. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) So the first thing is we need to, and we do this in the course, we need to go back to defining what Instagram is. There's a story back in the 80s or whenever they came about when microwaves came out and people said you put things in them and they make them warm. And unfortunately, there was a story of a lady putting her cat in the microwave to get it warm. That did not end well. So therefore, when we use a tool the incorrect way, it does not end well even something that seems as frivolous as Instagram, when we don't use it according to how the users created it and how that definition has evolved, it doesn't go well. That's why people freak out about the algorithm. That's why when I have a perfectly planned post sometimes that I planned two months ago and I posted, it gets 79 likes. But if I run outside in my PJs to capture my sheet because they look really pretty in the light, I get 500 likes. And that's like what 30% of my whole following. Those sheep are really cute though. They just they are. are. You should follow me for the sheep honestly. Yeah, your own account. Um so, take a look at the definition. Pay attention when Instagram rolls out changes because they are going to want you to play by their rules. Now, this doesn't mean that you got to be weird and hashtag crazy and strategic and like I think I think all of that is helpful but I don't have time for that in my life. Play by the rules that are set forth. Do the, you know, post according to the definition. Instant, connection, community. They want you to use the app. Use the app. Um, as far as business side of it, I always start with the question of follow your money. Where does your money come from? Where do the clients hear from you? Are you a total editor's course was like 90, 89 or 90% word of mouth, meaning alums would refer to other alums. I never had a very strategic or in-depth launch campaign. I mentioned on Instagram a few times, but mostly word of mouth. So why should I invest a ton of time to create an Instagram campaign from something that isn't giving me money from Instagram? caught a chill. On the other hand, we made a ton of money from people finding us on Instagram. It makes total sense. So we put a lot of effort into Instagram. If you're a business and unsure, simply start asking your clients and customers where they heard from you. Now, if you can actually interview them and not just do one of those drop down things when they check out, because they'll all say Instagram, because at some point they probably saw you and it reminded them to buy whatever on Instagram, but it may not be the first place that they heard of you. So Follow the money if you're a business owner, and that'll let you know whether or not you should spend so much time on the platform. Um, The other thing is I'm going to recommend a book that no one is talking about. I have no idea why no one has talked about this book. It's called Fascinate by Sally. Last name begins with H. Hogshead or something like that. I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was such a good perspective to put onto social media because it's kind of makes, it made me feel like the Enneagram of my marketing personality. And so instead of being like, I got to be more like this influencer, I need to be more like this person, it gives you permission, just like the Enneagram to be who you naturally are and just capitalize on how people are naturally attracted to you and whatever it is that you provide. So if you're having like an identity crisis in your marketing with Instagram, I highly recommend that book. And it'll give you permission to be as active, you know, like you said, the mom that wants to share everything. It'll give you permission to do that, but in a way that feels more life giving. Or if you're like me and, you know, maybe not as often and you're very straightforward about things, it gives you permission to do that in a strategic way. Then you can kind of plan your social media to fit your business needs, your life goals. But what I recommend, and again, we talk about, is I recommend a sort of loose grip plan with your social media. So you, so you're never going through like long dry spells and clients are like, does she work anymore? What is up with her? Or you're not over, you know, overdoing it and people are like, okay, I've seen your kid laugh at a flower. Let's move on. Like you have some sort of plan, but you can sort of tic tac-toe insert more real life sort of impulsive moments so that you're again going all the way back. Playing by the rules of Instagram, which is in the moment moments to connect with community.
0: Want to know the first step to booking more clients? You've got to have a website. And not just any website, but a site built to book. If you're just starting your business, you're probably wondering how you can share about your work, gain clients, and start making money. The answer to all of these is your website. When I first started my business, I didn't have the money to pay a professional brand expert to create the brand you see here today. But I didn't have to. I used the resources I had to invest in my business and create a brand that would attract the type of client I wanted to work with, supported by a website that was built to transform searching brides into lifelong clients. If you want a simple guide to how to create a site that books without having to invest thousands in a branding expert before you're ready, you need a winning website. To learn more, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com website. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com website. You know, one of the highest likes, highest engagement posts I ever made. I started off by saying, "This post isn't for any of you. This is for me because I want to remember it. If not a single person comments or likes on this, I am a okay with with that. I this is my feed, and I just want to remember this. And then I told a story, and. I was not, I was, I was unapologetic about whether they would like it or not. And I found it really fascinating, but it also made total sense. It people, I think what people resonated with was perhaps not the story, but just the beginning of saying like, I don't really care if you like this or not. I'm going to post what I want to post and you can, you can watch it or you, or you can read it or you can keep scrolling. But either way, it's no sweat off my back.
2: Okay. I got a very observer comment on that. The reason, my theory, the reason why that worked is because you don't do that on every post. There is a trend to have shock and awe posts because people see, like, me running out in my PJs taking pictures of my sheep always do well. And just because they're sheep, they're cute. (laughs) Like, who's not going to like my sheep? But I see a lot of people, they are perpetuating this idea that in order to now be successful on Instagram, you've got to be highly vulnerable, shock and awe posts, um, putting yourself in a position where people are, again, like sort of shocked into your vulnerability and it's it's, a, it's again, it's a new strategy. It's not actually vulnerability. It's not actually hashtag authentic, but people see one of those posts like that do well and therefore think, oh, this is my strategy. And I think that what they miss is that it works because you are a professional in your post. People come to you because you're professional, because you create beautiful work and you know, you're, you are always honest, but it's these little burst these little moments where you kind of step behind, you know, I always think of it as like your shop, you know, you're behind the counter, you're telling people about all the things. And every once in a while, you come out from around the counter and say, look, let me tell you, you know, it was that sort of moment people connect with. And so of course, it's going to have a burst of engagement. But to do that all the time kind of demystifies that magic and kind of uh, muddies the water of your honesty. And so I want to encourage those listening, don't be like, ah, oh, I'm going to be so honest and vulnerable all the time and wow, people, and I don't care. You know, I'm going to do that all. The-. No, this isn't a strategy. This is you are compelled to tell something real.
0: Exactly. It, you were it, it was it was just this is my feed and this is what and yes, I have a I have a very. Planned feed. It's a business feed and it's going to be, you know, it's going to line up with what we're launching and and those types of things. But then I definitely have days within every quarter that I just want to share something or feel led to share something. And those are not staged. Those are not planned. Those are authentic. And I think that is why those are actually authentic. And I think that's why something like that does well. But that's what I mean by the fact of like, I don't care if this gets zero likes or a thousand likes. because And you know what I thought was really interesting? I'll go back for a second. But I genuinely don't care. That particular post was for me. And I think people can see the difference. Something I think is interesting is this was a few years ago. A girl who Had just started following me and she, I guess, had gone back and looked at several posts and was liking several ones. And she messaged me and she said, Can I tell you what I'm really impressed with is that you didn't delete any posts. Like you have some posts that have a lot of engagement and a lot of likes. And you also have some, (laughs) like even recently, that only have like 12 likes and no one said anything. And she said, I think that's incredible that you kept them, that you didn't delete them. And to me, I thought, I, I that's what I wanted to post. Like that was I'm not going to like whether you, you resonate or not with it, that's not my responsibility.
2: No, cuz you don't know what those 12 people did after that. Right. And that goes back to the whole pool conversation of like, maybe you only needed 12 people in the room or only 12 people, you know, didn't have a crazy day and actually looked at their Instagram or, you know, the algorithm, you you just, that's not your responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that was, that's a very interesting thing for her to share with you. And uh, yeah, I just, I think the more you pursue the vanity metrics and not the reasoning and purpose behind the vanity metrics, the more you're going to just spin yourself in a circle and Instagram is going to control you.
0: Yeah. I'm 100% okay not knowing how anyone takes my post. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I am 100% okay just sharing whatever it is that I need to share and moving right right along with my day. You know what I mean? And not – I don't know if this is making sense, but –
2: it totally does. And I think it even applies to people who are more visually based. So when you're in an education sphere, and I know you agree with this, it's easier to have that attitude because that is like the point of a teacher is to say truth no matter what. Um you know, point these things out. But if you are, because I've seen people who are visually based stylists, photographers be like, oh, I've got to be like sassy and like vulnerable. And I'm like, well, first of all, are you or not? Are you that way or not? But secondly, no, because clients come to your Instagram to see what work you've been doing, not what rant you've had lately. Now, again, once in a while, when it's truly compelled you to go public with a thought or something, sure. But Again, going back to the purpose of your Instagram is to have a portfolio, a visual showcase to show potential clients that yes, I am actively working. An educator, someone like yourself, your point, your whole like point is to drop truth bombs and to help people and to get to the point, you know, and purpose of things. So. Again, you, you can't copy and paste and you can't see what works for someone you admire or someone else and just be like, oh, I'm going to do that. And life will be, no, that's again, like I said, that's when Instagram is in control and you're not. For
0: years, I've shared the good, bad, and ugly of my business journey from near bankruptcy to earning seven figures. But when it comes to my personal life, I've been a closed book until now. May 2020, I'm releasing my memoir, Sleeping with a Stranger. Join the Sleeping with a Stranger waitlist at sleepingwithastranger.com. And you can be among the first to read my real, raw, personal story from the inside. That's sleepingwithastranger.com. I want to know... What is your take on, especially you and I are both raising daughters, about Instagram and emotions and mental health and what it, what's your kind of feeling about all that?
2: It's mixed, honestly. And it's something that I haven't I don't think anyone will ever figure out. Um, I truly believe as a mom, you do what you feel is the right thing and um you know, I think a lot of people have different boundaries and different ideas of what is protecting their family and their mental health and all of that. And for me, again, I don't have a solution. My daughters are four and one. Good Lord, I know how old my kids are. Um, four and one as of this recording. And, um, you know, they, they don't know what Instagram is, thank goodness. And who knows what will be popular then, TikTok or whatever. But my whole idea of what I hope by example that I show them with social media is just like you just said, always being honest and true. I think sometimes because we're behind a screen, we feel like we can embellish. And I have to, you know, when I talk about the farm, it is beautiful and I'm so happy and I love it and it's wonderful, but it's also hard. And I also have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not an expert and I have to be very mindful that I'm portraying truth. And I hope that they get that from me. I hope as far as the whole like appearances and I hope the whole body, it will happen. The body image talk, the beauty talk, the appearance talk. I know it will happen, but I hope that it is such an irrelevant conversation to the bigger picture of their life. That's like my goal is that all of these, my, the mental issue stuff is an irrelevant, an important conversation. But honestly, irrelevant conversation in the bigger picture of their life because we have crowded out those sort of insecurities with so much positive, not just like raw, raw positivity, but I don't want my kid. My, I don't want Hadley to worry about her, how, you know, her weight. I want her to worry about whether or not like the cows are taken care of before dinner. Like, I don't want Opal to think about if she's pretty enough for social. I don't want her to work. I want her brain to be filled more with, you know, I didn't say something nice to my friend. I'm going to, I need to make sure I apologize. Like, there's this great idea of crowding out. And that's what I really hope that I can instill in my girl so that the conversations about Instagram and about social media and public, you know, appearance and all of that sort of stuff, it's done in a way that it's not pr- the predominant theme in our life. Does that make any sense?
0: Oh, it makes perfect sense. I, listen, none of us know what we're doing. We're all, you know, we're all living on a prayer, but it's, uh, (laughs) I think that for me with Stella and with my boys, I pay really close attention to what they're, because we're all born with natural God-given talents. And I think, you know, right now, Stella is obsessed with art and she loves, cannot draw enough. She cannot color enough. She cannot paint enough. She then y- gets scotch tape. She hangs it on all the walls in her home. It's like a freaking first grade gallery over here. And it's crazy, but it's, it's what she loves. And I think about the day when someone makes fun of her mm-hmm. for art mm-hmm um, that maybe she'll put the crayons away. And my hope is, is that I would, I will be able to, you know, talk to Stella about that and say, I know you love art. I know you love it. Let's talk this through. Let's get you back into holding those crayons again, or that paint or whatever. And like, and to, to really pay attention and notice that and, and to keep her there and to keep her, like you said, education and knowledge and books and and to see you know the world and to know that the cows are fed all those things that are so much more important and i think to be honest and i'm just going to say it i think that we can't have fomo for our children i think that a lot like there's a, there's a couple girls at school that'll have a phone and then we feel the pressure to get our kid a phone and then it's the apps and i'm in a i'm in a small group with some women who all of their kids are you know at least five or six years older than Stella. So they're, you know, 12 and up and they're all just struggling with this. And I just think to myself, and I know, listen, I know this is going to be a, a much more, a much harder decision when I'm actually in it. It's way easier to to say this um, now, but I think, well, did you, did you have to give her the phone? Like, did you have, you know what I mean? Did you have to say yes to the app at 11 years old? I don't know. I just hope that I'm strong enough to not have FOMO for my daughter.
2: Yeah, and that's just like you said. You know, <laughs> we don't know until we're in that situation um, what really is going to happen. But yeah, I think I'm right there with you. When I just, I just want to do my like, you know. And if you thinking of it as goal based or what is success for me as a mom, and to me, one of the benchmarks of success is that the conversations around the dinner table are about things that matter more. Not that it's not going to come up and not that we will not, you know, we will have those conversations. And I know with girls, it'll happen frequently and we will address them and we will take, you know, take care to them. But my hope and my, again, benchmark of success is that we have a dialogue that is about things that are bigger than that. So that those are a little less relevant than what we may feel like they are in the moment. I love
0: it. You all have to go follow Katie so you can follow the sheep and follow <laughs> her. There's your, there's the chickens. There's the chicken. There's so much. So tell us where we can follow you.
2: So I am at Katie, Katie Oselvage, Um, um, um That is where I am, com. That's about it for now. Um, But yeah, you are invited (laughs) to my journey of watching me mess up over and over again until I figure this new thing out. And I would love, I mean, I would absolutely love if you've listened to this and something resonated with you or you have a challenging idea. I'm always open for discussion. I love DMs. I love voice memos come chat with me about it because it is, it is a wild ride. And who knows, you know, with TikTok coming up and all these other things, like who knows what else is going to be presented to us in our industry and our culture and all of that through social media. And, um, as I said, I'm, I'm here to watch. I'm very excited about it.
0: I love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Katie. This was so, this was just great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope Katie's insights help you feel informed, capable, and grounded when it comes to Instagram and your public presence in general. In a creative and competitive industry, I love reminding myself of Katie's wisdom as I work to build the life and business, not the Instagram feed, of my dreams. Until next time.
1: If you loved what you heard today, even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.